When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, Marcus, it's been a long time since we've had a two-part episode. I think uh, you said something like a year and a half, two years since we've done one. And here it is, part two of the story of Aerosmith on the imbalance history of rock and roll. We had to do it in two parts because their history is long. Their history is rich. Their history is full of drama. Their history has... uh, Drugs and sex. It's truly a rock and roll history. Sex and drugs and rock and roll, lad. That's what we're all about here. We may not have the accent, but this is what we're all about. <laughs> I tell you, man, really, it is. And uh, I guess if you're in a band these days, it might even be a cautionary tale. At the time, it just seemed like rock and roll as usual in the 1970s, and that hits a wall at the end of the 70s, and they go to Night in the Ruts, and one by one, they fall out, and the beginning of uh, Rock in a Hard Place, and Brad Whitford falls out, and he goes off, and I looked into his project he did with Derek St. Holmes. Whitford St. Holmes was on Columbia, so all I'll say is somebody in Clive Davis in the Columbia Circle was smart enough to keep Whitford close, just in case things didn't work work out he had a place to go back and at one point he does after the failed album and tour he goes and joins the joe perry project which leads back around to a reconnection of sorts with tyler and the rest of the boys and that's where we pick up the story here on the podcast brought to you by crooked eye brewery in the heart of hapro brewing the cure for what ails you since 2014 marcus it's a crazy tale isn't it It absolutely is. And we also have to mention the fact that Steven Tyler was in a motorcycle accident in 81, which delayed the release of the album in 82, adding further complications to the complications that were already complicated. Wow. And not to make matters worse, but at a reunion gathering in 1982, Joe and Steve get together and they get high, too high, so that uh, Tyler collapses on stage and uh, just like the really like almost like scraping along the bottom, you know, there in 82, just bad times for the band. But something happened. Something happened between that August 82 show and February of 84. That's when Joe Perry and Brad Whitford went to see Aerosmith play at Boston's Orpheum Theater. Sparks flew, and the next thing you know, they were talking about getting back into the band. And several months later, that's exactly what happened. 
Now, I wonder if at that reunion anyone batted some puppy dog eyes at the other guys and helped kind of uh, move things along because things were pretty crazy and pretty bad at the time both Joe and Brad left Aerosmith. So I'm curious as to what happened that day. Some hard feelings, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, me too. The only thing I was able to find is a little quote from Tyler where he indicates that there was a buzz of them all being back together in the same room for the first time in years. To paraphrase what Tyler said about that meeting, he said the buzz was palpable once everybody got together in the same room. You could feel it. It had been almost five years, but it felt like no time had passed at all, and they knew they'd made the right move to get together, and it would be, you know, a few months before they would actually all pull together, get their shit together, start kicking heroin and all the other drugs and drinking out of the backstage and out of their party circle, out of their circle, and get on with it. And that led to some very good things for them, things that might not have happened otherwise. You would have thought that Steven Tyler collapsing on stage would have been his rock bottom. But it seems like through this story that even though they reunited, maybe they had to hit rock bottom together because of their connection and maybe getting straight together, getting on the right path together was key. When your collaborative partner, your creative partner is also your co-enabler for all the the drugs and drinking and stuff, it's got to be almost impossibly hard to extricate the two, figure it all out, and then continue to be creative. And that's what the folks at Geffen Records took a chance on when they signed them to do the next album. There's a lot of talk about that first record done with mirrors ironically because some bad things can be done with mirrors and john david Claudner, their a and r guy at geffen really put a lot on the line saying that he believed that they would be able to pull it together that with the help with some outside writing partners perhaps be able to do the unthinkable and rise from where they were and become great again so i guess that was behind the name done with mirrors It makes a lot of sense, and they also brought Ted Templeman into their corner to help produce, and that probably helped them stay on the straight and narrow path and stay focused during this recording. And while not their best work, it got them in the right direction to make that, I think, really large comeback that was ahead. They really had no song, so Joe brought in Let the Music Do the Talking from his solo project. I remember when that was out the first time. It was better the first time. And they went to work, but they didn't have a natural pile of songs to work off of. The feels were better. The guitar feels, Perry and Whitford back, making things feel more like Aerosmith. But it just didn't feel quite right. Now, you mentioned Ted Templeman, and he said he had a really good time making that album, and he took his approach of no red lights, no studio lights, to another level with them, basically put them out there the way he had done when he was working with uh, Van Halen, and just record everything and take what you get and see what you get and see what happens before you go back and do overdubs and things like that. So he did a lot of that, and that may not have been the best atmosphere for them, even though everybody seemed to have a positive view of the album in the end i guess is how you put it well it didn't take though the album didn't really take off and they were kind of uh, floundering there for a while and then something happened a couple of fellas in the hip-hop scene asked steven and joe to join them on their version of a classic song 
And that really blew things up for Aerosmith again. And the power of MTV making the crossover video, Run DMC, Aerosmith doing Walk This Way. yesterday and i remember how much i enjoyed it at the time two things it did first it fused hip-hop and rock together and made them one and made people start thinking about things differently second thing it did it put aerosmith on a lot of people's tongues and minds that weren't thinking and talking about them too long before that and it opened the doors for what the next step would be which is aerosmith fully reclaiming their birthright as one of the great american rock and roll bands and plowing forward into the new decade it took them from the depths of rock in a hard place and dumb with mirrors and seven times platinum heaven motherfuckers with permanent vacation and pump, an unbelievable rock and roll revival. Can I get an amen? Amen. The hits, man. It was the hits. Yep. All those songs that just boom, boom, boom off those two records. Ragdoll. Dude looks like a lady. Oh, God. Angel. Working with guys like Desmond Child and Jim Valance helped to reboot the hit machine that they needed and helped to make it an album full of great rock songs. I remember when these two albums were new and fresh, and with the changing times in rock and roll, you had the 80s rolling into the 90s, which a lot of people viewed it as the 80s hard rock bands rolling into grunge, but on the side you had Aerosmith, who was getting a lot of play on rock radio and a lot of love on rock radio, but they were also getting a lot of love in top 40 radio with these songs as well, so they crossed over. Yeah. And those hits were huge. And then they were bringing it live on top of that and just. Well, you're getting pummeling. ahead of yourself, though, because I, I tell you what, I got to go back to that permanent vacation pump period. And that's kind of where my intersection with them begins. It's kind of my wheelhouse. They had just gotten their own plane, Aero Force One. Remember when that happened? Yes. And we had pretty close ties to them at MMR. And we arranged for our audience to greet them when they landed at the private aviation field. 
when they came in for the Philly shows, and it was just mayhem, hundreds of people against the fence, welcoming them. And the car pulls up, and they get off, and they get in a plane, they go off to the hotel, and a couple big MMR concerts at the Spectrum in those days. It was like crazy cool stuff going on. And it hadn't been that rock star crazy for them in a while, and we just saw a little slice of it here in the Philadelphia area. But it was happening everywhere. I remember the plane. I remember the glitz and the glam that went alongside it and all of the scarves that Steve was fashioning, you know, fashionably oh, showing at the, the time. Back, oh, I know that, Look. but they were highlighted so much more in that time period. And with the power of MTV and their right. faces being all over, you really saw it in a different way than how it was in the 70s when he, you know, in his early days. So to see it and see his uh, costumes and to see his style just full throttle at that time, I think really, really did a lot for that band and really helped keep them way up here in the stratosphere. That $7 million, uh, per album got to feel pretty regular and pretty good, I guess. So they could do that from permanent vacation to pump. And in that time period, they get back on a songwriting jag. And songs like uh, Loving an Elevator, Janie's Got a Gun, The Other Side, What It Takes, starting to rely more on the team of Tyler and Perry than the outside writers who were involved. And they continue to have a great run on radio and on the road. And then it continues just when you think, well, maybe they're going to fizzle out or they're just going to you know, get tired of it. The next step happens. And that's like Get a Grip in Nine Lives. The albums continue to sell gold or platinum. And you had the amazing, crazy crying hit cycle, right? All those big monster ballads, like you said, that put them all over Top 40 and inspired a skit on Saturday Night Live. They rocked you in the 70s. They rolled you in the 80s. And they're back, bigger and better than ever in the 90s. It's Aerosmith's greatest hits, 1990 to 1994. You get all their 90s hits, like Brian. I was crying when I met you. Now I'm dying to forget you. Crazy. And you know, Marcus, when you get to be parodied by Saturday Night Live, it says two things. You have certainly arrived because everybody knows what it is and why it's funny. And second is, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh-oh, Ray. We've run long and must pause for the cause and head to Crooked Eye in the heart of Hatboro. And we'll be right back to continue our conversation about Aerosmith through the 90s and beyond. Summertime and a great pint go together like water, yeast, and hops. <laughs> 
And what a better place to go to get the pint that you want than Crooked Eye Brewery right there at York and Montgomery in the heart of Hapro. With Pennsylvania's restrictions easing, there is live music and some other great events going on at Crooked Eye. So not only do you get that pint, but you get to have a good time with your friends as well. They are fully open, and I went in to see the Crooked Eye Band, the full Crooked Eye Band, back together for the first time in over a year. And what a great time when they're in on second Saturdays. And you can get great music at Killer Crooked Eye near you at Jamie's House of Music in Lansdowne now. Stop on by, see live music, and have a pint of your favorites from Crooked Eye at Jamie's House of Music. Right in the heart of Delco. And there's something else happening at the brewery, Marcus. They are now serving spirits. Pennsylvania Craft Spirits, now available along with your finest brews and all the other goodies they have at Crooked Eye and Hapro. I just think it helps everybody to have what they want, and that's part of having a good time when you go in both at the Hapro Brewery location and at Jamie's House of Music. So wine and cocktails there as well. It's all part of the fun at Crooked Eye. Check them out at crookedeyebrewery.com. The best way to keep up with what's going on at both locations is on Facebook, though. They do a great job keeping us informed of what's happening at Crooked Eye or Jamie's House of Music on Facebook. Four in the cure for what ails you since 2014. Check them out. Crooked Eye Brewery in the heart of Hapro. And in the heart of Delco. Pantheon Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Ray, that sure tasted good. And I don't know about you, but I am refreshed, recharged, and ready to continue the conversation about the rebirth of Aerosmith and all of the great things they did for rock and roll in the 90s and have continued to do so in their illustrious career. What do you say we jump back into it? But I think that 
their greatness at some point was going to get some sort of parody in some way or another at some point. But you see it everywhere. We've seen so many other bands parodied over the decades and different sketch comedies. But they've become a parody of themselves at times. They've done it like uh, Stephen's recurring role on Two and a Half Men. He's always himself preparing for a tour, stays in a neighbor's house, and he's on the side doing the vocal trills, you know, da la 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 Him and Charlie always get into it, and he's been on there a couple times. You know, we talked about some of the film stuff. Weren't they in Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, the worst rock movie ever made? Absolutely they were. They were the supervillain <laughs> band. I mean, the only redeeming factors in that movie were Aerosmith and Billy Preston. I love Peter well, Frampton the soundtrack and the Bee Gees, and the soundtrack was good, but the movie was yeah. awful. And it's no knock on anybody, of the, any of the musicians who acted in it it just wasn't a great yeah. script but no that was doomed it was doomed except for the music was well done yes and they did a much better part had a much better part and did a much better job they were almost the heroes saving the day in wayne's world too wasn't it wayne's world too they were the, they, when they needed the bands to show up and yeah. they went to see jim morrison in the desert and there's aerosmith showing up to save the day we're supposed to be in there no you're not my girlfriend's in there hey a lot of people's girlfriends are in there. Denied. They were the flaming Moes on an episode of The Simpsons, and that was like 30 years ago. I mean, crazy stuff like this. Ladies and gentlemen, some new buddies of mine stopped by tonight. Maybe we can get them to come up here. How about a warm flaming Moes welcome for Aerosmith? Yeah, we're just yeah. hanging out. Oh, come on, guys. Free pickled eggs. All right. Yeah. Hello, St. Louis. Uh, that's Springfield, Stephen. Uh, yeah, right. Are you ready to rock? Yeah. I said, are you ready to rock? And they've carried that relevant flag, but they continue even today, and they've continued, I think, to really keep the crowd entertained at their live shows. Still, every now and then, you know, they still push out a baby, you know, an album, just push play, and then a few years later, honking on Bobo, and everyone, what the fuck? But, you know, it's what they were into, bending the blues, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, music from another dimension back, that's like, what, 10, 9, 10 years ago. And the albums sell gold, the platinum, but they have no hits, and they're not really songs that are jumping off those albums and making people want to put their arms around them and play them and sing them all day. But guess what? They're still a viable band, even though they're not really recording anymore. Then they decided, we don't want to be on the road really anymore. So we're going to go to Vegas, and if you want to see us, you come and you see us. And they've been a couple different places there before the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. And most recently, Brad said, look, man, I don't think we're ever going back out on the fucking road. I don't even know we're going back to Vegas because you got to look, they're advancing in years. They can't 
do the the rigorous work that it takes to be on a road traveling, you know, into four cities in seven days for months at a time. They don't necessarily have to or want to do that stuff, especially if you've looked at the recent figures that have come out on artists, the major artists, and how they fared as far as income during the COVID pandemic year. Uh, a lot of them have been doing just fine. For everyone that we hear about suffering, there's two or three that are doing just fine. And I know those guys have all been smart about their money, so it's not like they have to. And Brad's saying, we really can't. It's not like we can go out and, and kill it for months at a time. So I hope that whatever they do, whatever they decide, even if it's just going back and doing a week or two here in Vegas just to get out of the house and get the dust blown off you and score some good weed in that uh, legal state there in Las Vegas. Whatever it is, whatever they decide, I'm good with because they owe me nothing. As a fan who's been seeing them for years and decades, who loves all the records all the way back, they owe me nothing. They've continued to bring it touring through the years, and one of the things that's given them lasting power is their live shows, and their live shows always deliver. Steven Tyler, his scream, his singing, his range, fantastic. Yeah. You know, the chemistry of the band cannot be overlooked because these five guys did it together. They went through some gnarly-ass times that were just horrible the worst. and dysfunctional and really fucked up, but they 90% survived. 90% of the band. 90% of the bands don't survive what they went through. That is a fact. And the fact that they were able to survive. And here's another crazy factor that people need to consider as well. That something else that maybe is overlooked. Aerosmith declined the plane that Leonard Skinner took on their fatal flight. Oh, that's right. And... They could have easily been on that plane, but somebody in their crew saw something or somebody involved had a bad feeling about that plane and said, no, thank you. So It's the same bad feeling the co-pilot had for about three days before they crashed. All I could tell you is that's a whole other episode that we need to get into, but that is the truth, the absolute truth. They were up next to rent that same plane and passed on it because of some reason. I don't know. Yeah. Obviously, they were smart about it. So... And I remember when we started talking about Brad Whitford's statements about maybe not going on the road anymore after the pandemic because of their aging and because of how hard it is to do long tours. But as of now, they're still on the schedule to play some European dates for like 10 or 12 days with Rival Sons opening up for them in summer of 2022. And as of now, those dates have not been canceled. Still a long ways away. That is true. Brother, can I talk to you about somebody that we both love that we lost this week very unexpectedly? Um, the news that we got, it'll give you a time reference for when we're doing this podcast recording. But when we got the news that Dusty Hill hurt himself, I think is the news we got, and was leaving the tour to go back to Texas, we all felt that the big news was right then that ZZ Top would appear without Dusty Hill for the first time in 50-whatever years since they formed. They, every show they ever did was the three of them. There was never a, a sick day volunteer or anything like that. It was either three or none. And he told them to go on stage. The show must go on. I'll be fine. He goes home. I don't know what happened yet, bud, but my heart is broken. 
hear that Dusty passed away in his sleep within a day and a half of returning from the road. I'm sure once morning has passed, we'll get word as to what happened there. But uh, really special guy in rock and roll history. And to a lot of our friends, people like John Scott, who's been on the podcast, who's very good friends with, with them all the way back to their earliest days. And just one of those tough losses. They had nothing to do with COVID or any other crazy shit going on in the world. Just a uh, sad, sad occasion. So sending our love out to H-Town and all the people in the ZZ Top family from us here on the podcast. That's a sad note to finish up uh, what's been an otherwise fun episode of the podcast, but I couldn't let it pass. Couldn't let it pass. No, we definitely had to give some uh, love to Dusty because of the contributions to rock and roll and the importance of ZZ Top. And I say go listen to a couple of their older records and get a feel for that band and Enjoy some of their rattlesnake rock and roll. Mm-mm-mm. Snap. That's where I'm headed, man. That's where I'm headed. I'm gonna get me some of that, uh, some of that Mexican beer and some ZZ Top, and maybe a couple shots of tequila. And remember old Dusty Hill, man. It's it's a tough one to swallow because you didn't feel it, see it coming, had no reason to believe it was. So. Mm-hmm. Only underlines our message for this week's episode that when you get a chance to pull out of what Aerosmith or any other band that's been through the kind of shit they went through pulls it back together and you get another chance, it's not ever as instantaneous as what ACDC did on Back in Black, and we've detailed that. But to have it happen at all, Aerosmith kind of set a bar for bands. If you are down and you want to get back up, we're proof you can do it. Mm -hmm. And for that, they become one of the great bands in rock and roll history that they already were a great band in rock and roll history, but for another layer or level of that, you know? Well, partner, I don't know about you, but I feel like we have explored the depths and breadths of everything that we know and have learned uh, on top of what we know about Aerosmith in this last week or so, getting ready to do this amazing double episode. It's been a while since we've done that. I know, and who knows if we'll have any more double episodes moving forward. We do know, though, that there's a whole hell of a lot of rock and roll to talk about. A whole lot. I keep adding stuff to that future episode file every day, and our audience does too, and we thank you for doing that by sending in your emails to imbalancedhistory at gmail.com. We appreciate that, and all the interaction on social media, more and more, right? More and more interaction. We've been getting people suggesting five favorite episodes via our Twitter account at Imbalanced Histo, so please follow us there. You can follow us at Raycube Radio at Marcus and Darkus, and Pantheon Podcasts is another twitter account you want to follow as they are the host of the imbalanced history of rock and roll and crooked eye brewery the sponsor we can't get along without pete and paul man those guys make it rock and we're going to be getting out there before you know it we'll let you know about our uh, next adventure out to the brewery in hapro but for now marcus i say we uh, raise a glass of something frosty and cold to boys who have given us so much wonderful music and reason to be happy and love with rock and roll talking about the bad boys out of boston here's to tyler and perry and hamilton and kramer and whitford aerosmith the story of aerosmith right here on the imbalance history of rock and roll it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 